Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Whether you're an early bird or a night owl, your sleep chronotype or the best time to get rest affects how productive you can be. Understanding this and how to manage your time will help improve your productivity and job satisfaction. In this episode, we explore your most effective work time, how to find it, and how to use that knowledge to get the most out of your work day. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I finished recording the audio for my book. Woot woot. I think that was Friday afternoon. And so I've now started completely focusing on redoing the Complete Developer Podcast website in Gatsby. And I spent pretty much all day Saturday on it and I think half the day, maybe three quarters of it, Monday on it. So yeah, I've been pretty busy. How about you? Well, so... I learned how to turn my new grill into a dragon this past weekend just because of time shift. It was Labor Day here in the United States, and Amanda and I decided to stay in and uh, grill out uh, at my place. We'd been grilling all afternoon, um, and it was, you know, we slow cook some stuff. We put some other things on getting towards the end of the evening. We're actually going to cook grill what we're going to eat that evening. And the grill had started to cool off, so I opened the front door, which shall henceforth be known as the Mouth of the Dragon, to put some more charcoal and wood chips in, sprayed some lighter fluid, and went to light it. You know, all stuff I have done before. However, this time, <laughs> I forgot to open the lid of the grill. So when the lighter fluid caught, the flames had nowhere to go but out the uh, Mouth of the Dragon. So here I am bending over, reaching in with a lighter and whoosh, flames just engulfed me. Yeah, I ran backwards. <laughs> I'm sure if anyone saw it, they would have laughed. Um, it was probably quite comical. It was very scary for me. Yeah, it'd be so, funny to have a video of that and you know overdub it with like yakety sacks or something. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I uh, I burned my hand wrapped up right now will can see that singe the hair up my arm and down at the bottom of my beard thankfully i had just taken a shower and so my hair was up in a bun from that <laughs> so it didn't actually get my hair <laughs> man yeah so uh so yeah that was uh that was my weekend i've uh actually Tuesday, because this was Monday, Tuesday, I sent my my boss a message. And I was like, hey, so here's what happened. I have limited mobility. I've got a lot more mobility in my hand now than I did then. It was swollen and stuff. And so I was I could barely move it. But I had like limited mobility in my hand and was uh, taking pain medicine and kind of loopy all day. Tuesday, I had a pair programming session with one of our lead developers and he gets on. He's like, man, I'm a little bit out of it. I only got about five hours of sleep the last two days. I'm not sure what was going on, but I'm like, oh, so uh, let me tell you what happened to me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on pain meds. 
<laughs> Sounds like you could uh, write the uh, JavaScript implementation of date time parsing now. Yes, <laughs> the yeah, two of you I, could pair up and still would be better than what they got. It was uh, it was definitely an interesting uh, pair session because uh, I couldn't do very much. So he ended up doing all the typing, which I was hosting the Visual Studio Live session, and he's like, "I'm in Visual Studio, he's in VS Code." typing on that oh man it was you know what we got everything accomplished it took us an hour and a half but we got everything accomplished so in more fun news uh work sent us official virtual backgrounds to use when we're in meetings with video it's not required but it is a bit more professional looking than say that beach scene or even a messy office that will sees behind me now uh it is pretty bland and basic though uh, they did think to do it in several colors. So like, you know, you can match your outfit. You know, it doesn't really matter for me. I always wear black t-shirts, but you know, whatever. I, I like the way they're thinking, though. It means they are thinking work from home on the long term, which is is quite nice. It's quite nice. Yeah. I just like the fact that they're thinking about yeah. it at all. That's kind of that's true. It's a big deal. So we want to give a shout out to our newest patron, Michael Jakowski. Yeah, thank you. Actually, we are recording this on the day that our episode about our new patron stuff is coming out. So uh, he signed up today and we are super excited about that. Take your financial confidence to the next level. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner and financial coach serving tech professionals with his company, Level Up Financial Planning. Uh, He does this virtually out of his office in Fort Collins, Colorado. Level Up Financial Planning changes the financial planning game by empowering you to live your best life regardless of whether you are just starting up and need to build your financial foundation or mid-career and navigating complex and competing goals. Best of all, Lucas and Level Up Financial Planning is a fiduciary for his clients, which requires him to act in his client's best interest. So he's not a salesman. And you pay as long as you're getting value and stop paying when you're not getting value. Yeah. So guys, you can find some fun, free resources and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. How much actual work do you get done in a given workday? Some of us don't think too much about this. We clock in, we work, and then we go home. Or as it is now, we clock in and we work and we stay home. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Interruptions, meetings, and pointless tasks are just part of the daily routine. Uh, For others, tracking productivity is almost a hobby or a second job. Uh, They use tools and spreadsheets to track how much time they spend on tasks and even demark the value of those tasks. Several different research studies suggest that people are really only productive for about two and a half to three hours in an eight-hour workday. Everyone has a most effective or peak performance time which typically lasts about three to four hours. This is when the majority of people get their productive work done during the day. Uh, However, when you factor in meetings and other interruptions, uh, you get your average of two and a half to three hours of productivity per day. Yeah, but the way you organize your schedule also has a huge impact on your productivity. Uh, Knowing when you're at your most effective time means you can actively work to reduce distractions. Also, just because you're not at your peak doesn't mean you can't get productive work done during the downtimes. Yeah. In this episode, we'll discuss not only how to get the most out of your effective work time, 
but also how to be productive even when you're not at your peak. We'll start off talking about how to use your time wisely to get the most out of your day. Then we'll delve into the cycle of productivity, talking about what to do at various levels of productivity. And finally, we'll look into understanding when you are the most productive by knowing your sleep chronotype and how that affects your productivity cycle. So the first thing is to monotask instead of multitask. Uh, Multitasking sounds really good at first. Um, Sounds like (laughs) a great way to get more done in less time. But what it really does is it creates a lot of mistakes and it leads to less creativity and thinking. Yeah, it's like trying to have a conversation, surf Facebook, send an email and record a (laughs) podcast all at the same time. (laughs) You know, it it, it helps when you've got a a co-host who can like cover the slack when you get distracted. No, uh, you know, this this happens not just at work. I'm going to tell on myself here, but uh, sometimes I will be like laying in bed in the mornings or like uh, in the evening, sitting in my chair, playing on uh, on Facebook and Amanda will call me and I'll answer the phone and I'll be talking to her still like scrolling through Facebook. And she knows because I'll be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all do that at some point or other. Yeah. um, And then she picks on me for being terrible at multitasking. And I have to explain everyone is terrible at multitasking. It's just, you know, what your level of tasking is and where your focus is. As humans, we have limited cognitive bandwidth. And so our ability to accomplish things is very dependent on our ability to focus on one task at a time. Yeah. So unless used for the same task, uh, reduce yourself to one screen when you're monotasking or one window. Yeah. You know, like I look at my screen, it's like, well, that still doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's, you know, and another thing too, like with this, for example, I have two monitors and the laptop screen because I work from a laptop monitors. And so I will have say visual studio up in my windows VM on one monitor And then if I'm following a tutorial or if I'm looking information up, I'll have that second monitor with that stuff to look up. (laughs) You remember when I was first learning, I had the the crap top and that ancient Dell monitor. So I'd use the like the laptop or the crap top screen. I mean, it was a 17 inch screen. It wasn't a bad screen. I'd use that as my main monitor. And then I would have that old Dell monitor. I think I got in like the early 2000s. It was, it's still working. I could plug it in right now and it work, but I would have that for reading stuff. Cause the, the quality, like you, you weren't getting very good, you know, visual quality out of it. But so far as just reading text, it was great. Yeah. I kind of do the same thing, except I keep all the interruptive stuff over on the other screen. So mm-hmm. like Outlook teams, uh, Azure DevOps, um, anything that pops up notices or changes or, you know, does anything like that, all the project management stuff, I put it over there and I'll take visual studio full screen, a pretty good yeah. chunk of the time. And on a 50 inch screen, that's amazing. <laughs> that's all big. <laughs> that's yeah. <a> huge man. <laughs> um, no, I will do that. What I do is I typically put that kind of stuff all on the laptop screen. Because if I really need to focus, I can just close 
mm-hmm. the laptop. I just don't look over there because I have to move my head and I'm lazy. So like that, it's basically not there. Yeah, no, that's that's good too. Then you can turn notifications off on things. Uh, everyone knows I have like set times where I check my email. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but uh, it's you know it took a while to get people used to that at work, especially the ones whose job is communication. It's like that's not my job role. Right. And so I will communicate with you at set times, but my job is more more detailed, more focused than communication. And another thing that works really well is the Pomodoro technique or interval work. And yeah. that's where you focus on a particular goal or a particular task for a set amount of time. Uh, if you have trouble focusing, this is a really great way to work your way up to having better focus. Yeah, I used to use that and I should get back to it to be honest, because one thing I've noticed is that I won't take the breaks. Like I don't need the Pomodoro to enforce the focus. I need it to enforce the breaks. Yeah. That's why I have a dog. (laughs) That's not why I have a dog, but it really (laughs) helps because, you know, if if I sit and focus for too long, he'll come and just start nudging my hand. Be like, I need to go outside. I need to go outside. See, my dog's useless. All she does is snore and fart. (laughs) (laughs) Like all day. (laughs) I guess I could use the I, I guess I could use the audible sounds from the dog as sort of like a Pomodori timer, but I don't I don't they're not that predictable. Otherwise I wouldn't have meetings then. Uh, guys, we we've kind of talked around it. Distraction is a is a big issue. It's a primal instinct. I mean, it, it's something that goes back to the early days of humanity because it was necessary for early humans to respond quickly to predators. And so we needed to be able to know what was going on around us really quickly. These days, not so much. So you have to to work to get past that. I was I was sitting at the brewery working on some photo editing uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Amanda was working behind the bar and I'm just sitting there sipping on the beer she gave me, working on some photos for church. And all of a sudden, one of the guys that works with her, he was off. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He comes up and just like grabs my shoulders. He's like, dude, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. And I almost jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was so intensely focused. I've, I've had that happen to me before. And and the other person was on the floor in a wrist lock <laughs> you know, before I knew I moved. I, I have more restraint than that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was <laughs> like, we got a good laugh out of it. Um, and, you know everything but yeah it was just like i was really intently focused on that so speaking of focus you should definitely spend some time finding the prioritization that works for you on your tasks prioritizing basically means figuring out which tasks you're going to get done in a limited amount of time it doesn't always mean one task is more important than the other although that does make the process easier yeah i mean it could just be you have a set of tasks all at the same importance level but prioritizing is all right here's here's what I'm going to get done today. And here's the order in which I'm going to do it. Will just showed me his prioritized. Yeah. It's on a notebook on my desk right now because <laughs> the digital tools have completely failed me and I have got to reorganize them. And so I'm no. doing it on paper. That is a core so, thing that I do. Yeah. Um, and you need to spend some time experimenting on this because you'll find like different techniques work different over time. So like, for instance, I used to use Nosby and then I'm switching to Todoist, but I'm actually having a lot of success with just the written list. Yeah, I do that. I write a list out. What's really nice about those written lists is I have this notebook here. It's uh, 
it, it's a black notebook. The notebook. They they jokingly call my my work Bible. It's a little thick for a Bible, but <laughs> I've been using this since 2017, and it's just got all of my like every day first part of the day I write out list of tasks to do that day, and you know I'll I'll prioritize them and then I'll check them off as they're done, and that's that's really nice. So when you're looking into this, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Some people spend the first part of their day deciding which tasks to accomplish and prioritizing them. That's the way I do it. I do that every day. It's just part of my morning routine. Others will prioritize an entire week or an entire month. Or you may even find some people who at like they're at their their peak, they're at their most optimal time in the beginning of the day. Uh, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. And they don't want to waste time with organizing their schedule when they're at their best work time. So they'll organize for the next day at the end of the day. That's what I do. I I do that. And then weekly, I have like a list of things I want to get done in the week. Mm -hmm. And I take from that list for the day. Yeah. There's also a difference between starting with an easy task or eating the frog and doing the most difficult thing first. This kind of depends on your personality and what you have to do that day. This is another thing to to experiment with. And if you're not sure where to start on this, I'm working on a new project at work. And a lot of it is right now we're kind of in the research phase. It's like, all right, can we do this? Like the customers sent us a lot of we want this. And it's a matter of, all right, can we do this? Is this built into the product we're using? Do we have to build around it? Like a lot of these kind of questions. And so I have a list of priorities. Most of them are at about the same level. There's a few that are like, all right, well, we got to connect to it before we can do these other things kind of stuff. But my priorities are different than say the business analyst. And so we had a conversation the other day and I was asked, Hey, what have you, what have you found out about this particular thing? I'm like, Hey, that's lower on my priority list. Like I can move it up within that same level of priority, but I have to figure out how to connect to the service before we can even consider this like special case kind of thing. So the next thing you can do to start using your time more wisely is to stop going to meetings. Yeah. Meetings are typically time consuming, uh, just total wastes. They're unproductive and they kind of make workers disengage most of the time, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're done poorly. But if you look at like a distributed team and you look at the stuff they have to do because they can't meet a lot of that stuff, you should probably be doing if you're on shore in the same office mm-hmm. because it's, it's advantageous because those people have figured out how to communicate without the meeting overhead. Yeah. Only attend meetings that have agendas. I was asked to come to this like hour long meeting with a business architect and then like the director of the business architects. And I copied my boss on, on it. Cause I told you guys about putting my development time in my schedule and they're like, Hey, we're, we're looking for some time in your schedule for this. And so I copied my boss on it and he's like, what's the agenda for this? It's like, that's a lot of time for a developer to not be developing. What what's the agenda for this meeting? What are you guys trying to get out of it? And yeah, they didn't they hadn't put that together yet. And it was just, oh, well, we just wanted to sit and ask some questions and stuff. It's like, all right, let's 
Most of these can be answered via email um, or in other already scheduled meetings. But yeah, don't go to meetings if there's not an agenda, especially if you have the the authority, if your boss allows you to say no. Yeah, I would say meetings without an agenda and a timeline. The thing yeah. that used to get me at a previous job was, is we're going to have a meeting on this thing and we're going to talk till we're done. And you like your whole day is shot then because you don't know yeah. when you're getting out. Um, if you have to go to meetings, uh, try to schedule them in blocks of time or round blocks of focused work time. So you just have a like a lane in your outlook that's like, hey, here's when I like to do my meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to schedule mine. I tend to like open up certain times when I'm like, all right, I'm coming off of a really heavy development thing, um, like a block of development time. Here's a good time for a meeting where I'm just like, all right, I'm not going to be doing anything too serious during this time. And so like, that's when I tend to open those up. Next, reduce interruptions. And we've had an entire episode on the cost of interruptions. Yeah, we, Ex- we ought to have another one because <laughs> I, know, I, just, man. I want a better quality one to send to people. <laughs> Experienced developers understand the cost of interruptions, especially during their most effective work time. However, non-technical members of the team and even newer developers don't understand how interrupting someone really affects their work. Yeah, we we tend to get into fairly deep levels of, of abstraction on the stuff that we're working on. And so when we get interrupted, we not only lose that train of thought, but it might take 30 to 45 minutes to get back there. And then you get interrupted again. So you can yeah. have a whole day where you literally made no forward progress because of interruptions. I worked with a guy at a previous gig that interrupted us. I want to say it was 29 times before lunch. Yeah, you've you've told me about that. That was insane. He was like Kramer on Seinfeld. He was always <laughs> there. Just saying, you know, completely inane, useless stuff. And it's like, dude, like this shouldn't have even been an email. <laughs> it wasn't even at the level of like delegate it to email. It's like, no, it's just crap. So if you're faced with someone who is consistently interrupting you, uh, one thing that can help and you'll have to really train them on this, but is to set aside a time once a week or even once a day for that person to come in and ask you questions. And you have to be very strict about enforcing it. I have a coworker who he he just likes to talk. He's a really friendly guy. He's older developer. He's got a lot of knowledge, but he'll interrupt you three or four times a day. I just started setting aside a time. I'm like, all right, you know, when we work on a project, I give him 30 minutes every day. I'm like, hey, here's our time to chat. Yeah. And that worked. Uh, he picked up on it really quickly and he would save everything for that 30 minutes. Some days it went a little bit over, but you know what? I'd rather, you know, go over on that than have him interrupt me three or four times. Yeah. It's the frequency, not the duration. Right. It's like electric shocks, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Because if the duration is long enough, you just cook. The other thing, too, is to make unavoidable interruptions come with a cost. So you would say something like, I can stop and help with that, but then we'll have to push this deadline by, you know, back by a certain number of days. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really good for management. If they're consistently interrupting you and be like, they're trying to get you to work on something else while you're doing that. It's like, all right, we've got five developers. Three of them are on this project. You could go to one of the other ones to to do this, you know, maintenance bit. If you stop me, this is what the cost is. Right. And I think there's a there's a thing here, too, that a lot of managers, when you don't impose the cost on them, the action that they're taking is not costless. 
Right. And so it's either you eat the cost or they do. And, you know, it, it takes away from like your personal time ultimately. So lastly, under, under this set and stick to time limits for tasks. And this is something that a lot of people don't really think about because we just think, all right, we'll work on it till it's done. But a lot of you know your menial tasks, like checking email, can end up consuming your whole day if you allow it to do so. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you really need to set a s- uh, specific time to do these tasks. So, like, I tend to check email, you know, first thing in the morning, uh, right before lunch, right after lunch, and then last thing at the end of the day. And I might yeah. check if I've got a build or something going that's slow. Uh, which here mm-hmm. lately has been a problem. I think you got some of those messages from me today. Yeah. With like random crap I found on YouTube while I was waiting. But um, if you don't set aside the time for these things, they tend to expand to fill whatever space they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And turn this into a routine so that you and others know when it's going to happen. I do mine first thing in the morning, just before lunch and at the end of the day, one less time than than Will. And I have an hour in the morning and an hour at the end of the day. Like those are kind of my buffers where in the morning I check my email and I plan out my day and I've got an hour set aside for that. If I don't get done with that within that hour, then I stop it. I go into the first task and I'll, I'll pick it back up at that, you know, that 30 minutes before lunch. And then at the end of the day, that's when I, you know, respond to emails. I write any reports I have to write for the day and do stuff like that. Um, well, actually, I do those in the mornings. I have se- separate time for the regular ones, but that's neither here nor there. So, guys, next we are going to talk about the cycle of productivity. So, everybody has some degree of a daily cycle in their ability to work and get things done. So you you have a cycle consisting of your peak performance period, whenever that is, a slower trough period, and then a recovery time. And these are arranged at different points, again, depending on chronotype, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Some people, early birds, will start the day at a peak, and then they'll hit a trough and then go through a recovery. Whereas others, more night owls, will start the day in recovery or in the trough even and eventually get to their peak. Right. So if you know, if you're like me, you know, you might have death metal playing at five 45 in the morning and you're going cause I'm definitely pretty quick. You know, first thing in the morning, I think you're, you're a little bit more of a night owl, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Um, yeah. Five 45 in the morning. I'm still asleep. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, man. I'm just like, I am not a morning person. I trudge around. I get up an hour or more before I have to start my work day just so that I can get to the point of being awake before it starts. That sounds like me after lunch. Yeah. Measuring the stages of productivity. So each stage in this cycle is measured by vigilance, cognitive ability, and your mood. Yeah. And, by the way, I cover a lot of this stuff in my book um, as well, just how to break it down and how to actually track this so you can figure out what yours is for real versus what you might think it is that could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk about these uh, stages here. Vigilance is keeping a careful watch for possible danger or difficulties. You know, it's hyper-focused, locked-in yeah. type work. Cognitive ability 
is the mental capacity to reason, think abstractly, and understand and solve complex problems, then your mood is going to fluctuate throughout the day. Um, You're going to have times where you're in a better mood than others. These shouldn't be extreme fluctuations. If so, see a psychiatrist. Um, We're not medical professionals. Or get better coffee. (laughs) (laughs) You may wake up grumpy, but feel elevated after a cup or three of coffee. (laughs) Two and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I find, honestly, what helps me is waking up. I will, I'll get up, I'll take my dog outside, uh, sit out there with him for a little bit, come in, have some just sort of like, you know, while I'm drinking my coffee, eating breakfast, sort of meditation, personal time, and then start my day. And that really helps. Yeah. Whereas mine's like, okay, I'm out of bed. I'm going. Yeah. That's very much (laughs) will. But you want to find out when your peak your trough and your recovery take place during the day to know what tasks or appointments to schedule during these times. And now we're going to kind of talk about each one of those specifically. So first off, peak performance time. Yeah. Peak performance, your vigilance, your cognitive ability, and your mood are all elevated, at least hopefully. Um, (laughs) You're at your most aware. You're able to see trouble coming before it even hits. So you're, well, if they're not all elevated, then you're not at your peak performance time. Right. I've, I've known (laughs) a few people, I've known a few people though, that it's like their, their mood is absolute crap, but the other stuff works. Well, is their mood, is their mood crap based on other people towards other other people, people. but like, it's, it's like the best for the thing that they're trying to do. Yeah. Or is there, what's what I'm saying? Is there, is their mood elevated for them? You have to, the, the thing with mood is it is, it is within your range of mood. Yeah. Like I, I worked with a guy who used to come into work all the time, hung over and like he wrote his best code hung over just in an awful mood. You did not want to talk to him. Like, you know, he was, he was an awful person to be around, but man, was he productive. <laughs> um, and so like, I know that was his peak, but it's just like he had that if the mood peak that happened later in the afternoon when he was kind of worthless was moved back, it probably would have been better, but it was just like he was, he had like an arrhythmia on his. I mean, these are, these are not hard and fast rules. They're, they're general. So yeah. But um, also within your peak performance time, your ability to think about complex problems and see abstractions uh, factors into all of your thought processes. Like you're just, in that, like, I can go into those deep levels zone. Right. And this is usually also the time you're feeling your best and most active during the day. Yeah. Um, during this time, you want to focus on analytical tasks, such as solving complex coding problems or debugging a difficult area of code. This is this is the time when we, we talked earlier about... Um, you know, the, the three to four hours, most people are productive during the day. Um, this is that time. This is that peak performance time. This is, this is the time that, you know, if it's uninterrupted is three to four hours in reality, it averages to about two and a half to three hours a day for people who don't know how to use their time properly and don't know how to use these, this 
performance and productivity cycle. So this is the time to work on those hard tasks. This is the time to, you know, if you're a morning person, this is eating the frog. You know, this is when you work on the hardest code. This is when you work on those those major problems that that have arisen that you're like, you've been putting off and you're like, man, I do not want to deal with that. That's going to like be such a pain. This is the time to do that. And speaking of things being a pain, uh, the next phase to consider is the trough and specifically how you sludge through it. It's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah. This is the opposite of your peak performance. Um, it, everything is at its lowest. During this time of day, you are least likely to recognize danger or errors before they become apparent. You know, your, your vigilance is very low. You're not very aware of the things going on around you. Yeah. It's the opposite of on fleekness as it were. You just, I timed that nobody can see this, but beach was taking a sip of his beer when I said that. Oh man. He's trying <laughs> to get beer to come out my nose is the problem. Uh huh. No. No. Well, I mean, uh, you've already the, had the baptism of fire, so I just figured a baptism of beer would <laughs> go well with that. Right. This is uh, also the time when your brain feels slow and sluggish. It's difficult to concentrate for very long. And you, know, you may, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but you may find yourself reading the same line multiple times just to try and understand it. Yeah, this is also the roughest time of day for your mood. Uh, people tend to be grumpy or kind of down during this time. So if, you, if you're meeting with people and you know that this is the low point in their day, you may have a more interesting meeting in a negative sense than you would yeah. have had otherwise. Yeah, this is the time for boring administrative tasks. You know, you got to write up some reports like I have to do a weekly, I have three different weekly reports I have to write, uh, but I have to do a, a weekly report on like what I've done. I do it during my trough yeah, because like I don't have to think about it. I go through my my notebook and I'm just like typing it out. All right, this is what I did. This is what I did. These are the issues I had. Like, I don't have to like really deep thought or you know, even focus. I'm usually sipping on coffee going, please wake up, please wake up, please wake up <laughs> during this time. Cause it's in the mornings. Let's be honest guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon for me. Uh, yeah. The thing that gets me is a lot of times you have processes and systems that make it so that you can't do stuff during your low time. They're like, Oh, yeah. do it during your prime time. It's like, that's a waste of the best work time I have to fill out this stupid form. No, that's true. You know, and if you're like me, Nana Will talked about people when they're they're like having meetings with people when they're in their trough. And that that's a a consideration you should think about is what your coworkers are going through. Are they at their peak? Are you going and asking them because you're in your trough or your your recovery and you're going, hey, you know, let's do this boring thing and they're at their peak. Like yeah. this is something Will and I have had to learn, like I'm at my trough in the mornings. And so I'm wanting to do like administrative stuff. And he is like blowing up hangouts with all this like detailed, like complex <laughs> things. I'm like, I'll think about that in a few hours, dude. I'm not. And he'll yet. respond at midnight. <laughs> yeah. <I will. laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> you you, you know, learn to work with people. Uh -huh. It's like, you know, teams has like the hands up 
thing. And it's like, you know, for Beach, I think Hangouts needs a finger up thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. this is my downtime. This is my trough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny because during this time, I enjoy personal interactions. Like this is when I want to have meetings because I'm an extrovert and I get energy from being around people. So you put me in a room full of people or even on a, a Zoom or WebEx or whatever call. Yeah, I'm going to do so much better because like I'm getting energized by just being around other people. Right. Whereas if you do it to me, I'm going to draw a picture of a squirrel in my notebook. Yeah, that's like, true. You're just not getting a whole lot. He sent me those pictures, guys. <laughs> so finally is rebounding to recovery. Recovery tends to be the time between the trough and the peak, though it doesn't have to be like from trough to peak. It's more of a middle ground than an in-between since it doesn't have to occur like in order like that. During this time, cognitive ability returns to a higher level of reasoning. Um, and, you know, you've got a better ability to understand abstractions here. Yeah, but... Uh, your vigilance tends to remain low and you're less likely to recognize danger or errors. So it's like you're feeling better, but you're feeling better partially because you're not paying a complete attention to the entire system. No. And your mood in this tends to vary. You know, it's, it's not super extreme, but you know, you may have a day when doing recovery for me, I've got meetings during recovery, so I'm in a really good mood and they're asking me to come up with really unique solutions to things. Perfect for me during recovery. Not so much for Will. Right. Will in that would have a low mood because he has to be around people when he's trying to recover. And I'm having to pay attention to him. Right. So like you're having to think through what could go wrong in a place where you're not cognitively at your best to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So recovery is the best time for brainstorming new ideas and exploring innovative ideas. It's also a good time for collaborative work, kind of depending on what your mood is. So like, again, not a good time for Will to collaborate, a great time for me to collaborate. And that just sort of depends on not only your mood, but your personality, if you're introverted, extroverted, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, so let's talk chronotypes. And this is something I didn't cover this way in the book. I like this, the way you put this together. So first thing, what is a chronotype? It's also known as a circadian typology. It's your individual differences in alertness and activity level between the morning and the evening. Yeah. Knowing your chronotype is going to help you to understand when you are at your peak and your trough. And that's going to allow you to plan your day to maximize your productivity so that you can do those trough activities such as uh, administrative boring tasks when you're at your low or put your peak things at the time when you're at your peak. Yeah. And people can be morning, evening, or intermediate. These are further broken down into four categories to help identify when to sleep and when to work based on your internal clock. Um, I'll also say here, sometimes people have a bit of a weird thing going on, like you almost have a bimodal thing. The mm -hmm. big one is the peak. The the one that happens later that maybe is a bit lower, it's like a lower peak. You know, it, it's not as effective as the main one. So I just want to that's your the, That's the recovery. Yeah. 
that actually makes sense. That's probably what my late afternoon is like four o'clock yeah. on. So for each one of these, I didn't put it in the intro point here, but for each one of these, we're going to talk about when the peak, the trough and the recovery is for each chronotype that we're talking about here. So it's, it's guys, when I originally had this, this idea, I had an episode for the chronotypes and there just wasn't enough information for one whole episode on them. And then I saw this one that Will had put in on effective work times. And I'm like, oh, I could throw that into the effective work times and come up with this. And it it's like it flowed. So you'll you'll see like when you when you hear the whole episode, it's it's kind of cool how they they all interact. For me, it's really neat. I like as I the deeper I got into this, I, I spent a few hours longer than I normally would writing this episode because it was kind of fun. <laughs> and I was on pain meds. Yeah. <laughs> Could be either of those things. It was so while the types are mostly fixed, exposure to light in the evening can help a morning person stay up later. Uh, the reverse being true for an evening person. Yeah. So if an evening person is exposed to light in the morning, they will get to bed earlier and be more alert. This is why the very first thing I do when I get up is I take my dog outside. Yep. Same here. And I stay outside. I stay outside in the light. Like I will, I will take him out. I will let him run around in the yard and I will stand or sit where I have sunlight directly on me on my front porch, just so that I can get that, that vitamin D that, you know, I I can get that sunlight. That's going to help me wake up faster. Because I am a night person and that's going to, that's what helps me to go to bed a little bit earlier than what my natural time is and wake up earlier than my natural time. Also, there are several questionnaires and assessments available to help you identify your sleep chronotype. The ones we're going with are the, the animal ones. There's others out there that are morning, evening, intermediate, and like mid morning, mid evening. It's just, it's, there's a lot of different breakdowns for them, but this is, I chose these four because, well, I kind of like the animal types. So, <laughs> so the first one is the lion chronotype. Uh, these are the early risers who most people would consider the morning person as they tend to wake up before the sun rises. You know, they go to yeah, bed early. This is, this is Will. <laughs> Will is a lion. Right. <laughs> early to bed, early to rise fits them well as they end up going to sleep uh, typically by 9 or 10 p.m. at the latest. Yeah, I'll, although I will say that I, I do tend to be up a little bit after 10, but I'm winding down. Mm-hmm. Lions should get to bed no later than 10 and aim to get up by 6. So I do get the latter one every single day. They tend to need at least 8 or more hours of sleep per night, which is also roughly applicable to me. Mm-hmm. The other thing is they they tend to be and this is not in the notes, they tend to be go-getters and they tend to be more introverted. Yeah. Well, because you get up early and nobody's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, the they tend to be to the, the introverted leaders. Right. They're at their peak performance early in the day. We're talking 4 to 10 a.m. early. Right. And tend to hit their trough around noon um, or just thereafter. And then after some less intensive tasks, they can get a second wind and hit their recovery period later on in the afternoon or early evening. And the next chronotype is uh, the wolf 
chronotype. And this is a bit more like the way Beach does things. So this is opposite of the lion. Uh, the wolf has trouble waking up in the mornings and they can be groggy or grumpy if getting up too early in the morning. On the other end of the spectrum uh, from the lion, they are the life of the party at nighttime. Uh, they tend to stay up well past when the other types have gone to sleep, getting to bed after midnight most nights. And sending people Google Hangouts messages on their way there. Um, <laughs> hey, you know? Yeah, I know. That's what you get for your 5 a.m. messages to me. So, you know. Yeah. It's usually responded to what you sent me. It's true. <laughs> Man, yours is usually a response to me. But, you know, like it goes back a ways. Uh, the thing with these people is they should try to get to bed by midnight and wake up by you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, which sounds awful late to get up to me. Um, <laughs> Less than lions, wolves need about seven to eight hours of sleep per night. And they tend to hit their peak just after noon and then slow down but maintain a recovery level performance around 6 p.m., um, when others are kind of calling it a day, they're like, hey, I'm getting that second wind. I can get some more stuff done without anybody around to pester me. Uh, and they have their troughs, though, early as, you know, this is the worst time of day for any analytical thinking um, early in the morning. Uh, and this is why I do all of my report writing and stuff like that first thing in the morning. Uh, what's funny is like I get so many like the the business side of people complimenting me for getting things to them so fast. And I'm like, it, yeah, it's not that I really care that much about getting it to you before everybody else. It's because first thing in the morning, I'm not all there and it's easy to just write up this report. <laughs> yeah. It's like your filler. <laughs> yeah. You just timed it right. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The next one is the bear chronotype. And the majority of people are going to fall into the bear chronotype as their sleep-wake cycle tends to follow the sun cycle. Um, this, is, this is the majority of people. Uh, bears typically have no problem falling asleep and wake up with ease, especially when they are on a regular sleep schedule. However, napping during their trough, which is very tempting, can throw them off big time. Yeah, being the average, bears need about eight hours of sleep per night and should strive to be in bed by 11 p.m. and up by seven. And that that can, these times can vary. You know, honestly, I think these times were written in the Eastern time zone, which that would be, I would be 10 more to wonder, six here. Yeah, I would almost wonder too about like what latitude they were written at and what time of year. That's true. Yeah. Because like if you're, you know, if you're in Oslo, and it's summer. Um, a lot of this stuff is going to be really weird to try to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's where you live is is also kind of dependent on it, and you have to look at where. I think most of the most of the people who worked on this and wrote this lived in the Northeast, probably around New York area. Yeah, because I mean, that's I, I think that's probably a causative thing for me being such an early riser. Is it's hot here? We're at the same latitude as Turkey, and I grew up you know, out in the fields. Yeah. And you want to be done by noon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't want to be out there. Yeah. That makes and sense. And you have another, you know, you have another uh, thing where your attention span and everything comes back up later in the day when it's 
you know, cooling off. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Also, if you look at countries like it's like Spain, they have their the siesta that you know it's yeah. it, in the heat of the day they go home and rest. Yeah, um, and it, it's based on that working in the fields kind of thing. So back to our chronotypes, the bear is most productive during daylight, and they hit their peak kind of late morning. Uh, before lunch, uh, but then have usually a post-lunch trough between around 1 to 3 p.m., followed by a late afternoon recovery time. So they're they're somewhat kind of between the lion and the wolf. Um, they're sort of, I guess, if you look at the lion and the wolf as two extremes, the bear is sort of the average, and that's where most people fall. If, if you think about it like a bell curve. Yeah, they're at the... the- the peak of the curve. Yeah. Um, so one that's kind of at the end of a curve is the dolphin chronotype. Um, and the dolphins are the insomniacs of the chronotypes. They're the rarest type of the four and they're about 10% of the population. I had a great uncle that was like this. Yeah. Uh, just reading this description. You know, sometimes I, I like when I was looking at this, I'm like, am I a dolphin or am I a wolf who's, you know, trying to get up earlier sometimes. Dolphins have trouble falling asleep due to anxious ruminations and they're easily wakened. Uh, they have a lot of trouble getting that deep, restful sleep. Which is the way I am, but... <laughs> yeah. Dolphins become used to the late nights and need less sleep than the other chronotypes. This one is the one that doesn't apply to me. They should strive for at least six hours during the quietest times, typically from midnight to 6 a.m. See, now this is this is the reason I, I kind of wonder, am I a wolf or a dolphin? Because I spot six hours is all I really need. I can go to bed at midnight, get up at 6 a.m. and be fine. Yeah, it depends on how often you go eh, like flipper. <laughs> Surprisingly, though, dolphins have the most effective peak range for working. That's from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. This is another one that makes me think that because like I get up uh, between 6 and 7.30 and, you know, by about 10 a.m. I've had a few cups of coffee and I'm like, all right, I'm kind of alert. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Dolphins will go into a trough, though, in the late afternoon and then they pick back up with a recovery period in the evening. So this one that there's parts of this that sound like me, too, Mm -hmm. but like the the trouble yeah, you know, the trouble getting to sleep is definitely a thing, but like the late nights are not. Yeah. And the lack, yeah, you know, and needing less sleep is definitely not. I mean, I'm not, I think I'm right about eight hours. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like I do have trouble sleeping. I'm a very light sleeper, except for in the mornings when I'm just groggy, I'll wake up, but I won't be all there. That all said, trouble sleeping doesn't immediately make you a dolphin. Remember, this is the rarest type. You may be a lion trying to live a wolf chronotype so you may actually be a morning person who's trying to stay up too late and be a night owl because you want to be because your friends are out late at night you may actually be a wolf who's having to live as a lion like when when i worked in the emergency room i had to be there at 6 30 in the morning which meant i had to get up like at four Right. And I like can that. imagine that. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me to, for you to have to be in the emergency room in that case. But <laughs> as a patient. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. You know, and I talk about this in my book, right? Because a lot of people don't really know what their chronotype is. And so how to actually figure that out and how to test it and get mm-hmm. some real data on it. So I'm, I'm kind of glad we covered this. Unfortunately, we don't have full control over our work schedules. Uh, there are meetings that we can't control or require business hours when we have to be online or at the office. In these cases, we have to know where we are in our productivity cycle and then use that to make the best of the situation until it can be changed. Understanding when you're at your best performance and how to maximize it will help you not only in the workplace, but in your life outside of work as well. Whether you're a lion, a wolf, a bear, or even a dolphin, you can learn to use your natural tendencies to get the most out of not only your peak times, but also your trough times. So we want to give a big shout out and thank you to Lucas from Level Up Financial Planning for sponsoring this week's episode. It's through Lucas's sponsorship that we're able to reach our goals. And guys, if you reach out to him, he will help you achieve your financial goals. Well, that pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well. I also want to suggest that you be really careful and kind of monitor your coworkers and try to figure out which chronotype they fit in. Um, and, and the reason you do this is so that you don't have the dysfunctional communication mechanism where you send them a whole bunch of stuff because you're excited and it's your peak working time and it's not theirs. Like Beej and I do this because we, we both understand the communications async. It's like, I'll send you something and he'll reply sometime. But when you're in a work environment and you're expecting a quick, turnaround on stuff, thinking about this sort of thing is going to make it more likely that you get the response that actually helps you versus something that is harmful or something that creates uh, you know, confusion or you get bad information or there's a conflict. And so if you can kind of time it so that your coworkers aren't screwed over by the time you schedule things, it's very, very helpful. So that's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Catch us each week as we broadcast live, talking about what's going on in the tech world and answering listener questions. Learn more about all of our shows and groups by going to CompleteDevelopernetwork.com where you'll find links to Junior Developer Toolbox, Developer Launchpad, and our other communities. Thanks for listening. See you next time.